I think um, our goal is state championship. You know, we kind of just take it week by week. You know, I think that we are a state championship team. You know, I think that we're we're that's our goal. You know, that's since day one, and I think that's what we strive to be. There's also this urgency that we know it's our last year, and obviously the goal is the state championship, and now seeing us as seniors in high school, and especially with the season that we've started so far, it's really exciting, and the energy is there, and the focus is there, and this team just seems like everything's fallen into place, and we just got to stay focused through the rest of the season and keep executing week after week, and I feel like it's definitely a possibility. Most of us were around during the 2018 team. They had a lot of great success, and those guys were just really mature about it. Um, they were really humble, and we saw them at practice every day just going at it, just beating each other up. And I just think if we keep that same intensity through the rest of the season, I just think we'll have great success. A lot of hardworking guys, um, that's what it comes down to. Everyone has uh, the same goal in mind, and everyone wants to win a state championship. If we, do what, uh, if we work up to our potential, I think it's uh, definitely in the picture. Obviously, like turnovers are just big plays, um, penalties, controlling things that we can control and taking advantage of, of mistakes they make will be key in the game. And any uh, mistake that we can uh, take the opportunity to advance it, I think that will be a big part of the game. It's not about athletes. It's about the team. It's about execution. It's about discipline, teamwork. And we feel like we do those things really well. We're going down there to win a game. And so we're, we're there to focus on beating East St. Louis and focusing on what we need to do this week in order to make that happen. And I think those two things right there are going to be what we ingrain in our kids' uh, heads this week and what we want them to uh, what think, think about and, and to believe. And Sheehan keeps it himself. He's still on his feet. He's going to take it all the way for the touchdown. 31 yards, Jamison Sheehan keeps it himself, takes it in. Give to Hisson, and he's in for the touchdown. Six-yard score for Nick Hisson. Fake, and is Sheehan taking it in for the score? Jamison Sheehan for three yards. And the Trojans are back on top. Onside kick attempt. And I think Harry Grove has it. They do. Toby split the kicker. Oh, my goodness. This will be a total backbreaker right now. Harry Grove can take something like this in and score. Sheehan looked like he was going to throw. Cuts left and gets in for the score. Jamison Sheehan from five yards out. 30 to 28. Kerry Grove leads. They are fourth and 15. And would appear they're going to go for it. Sheehan back to throw. Just his second pass attempt of the game is complete for the first down. It'll be first and goal at the five. The completion to Noah Riley. The tight end is 33. Kerry Grove clinging to a one-point lead. That clock cannot run fast enough for the Trojans. First and 15. Pump fake to the flat to Burton. Not bad at all. throws it. Kerry Grove with the defensive stand. And look at their sideline. We might have seen the biggest upset in the history of this state tournament. So Kerry Grove is going to walk away with a one-point win and the state championship in class. Six 
And the state championship edition of the Cary Grove Football Show is underway. In the open, you just heard from multiple players over previous episodes of the show, plus a highlight reel from the TV broadcast of the state game. It was fun putting that together, so if you hit fast forward for some reason, press rewind right now. You have my permission. Uh, go listen to that or listen as many times as you want. If you enjoyed it, share it with family, friends, Trojan fans everywhere. We're back this week to wrap up the greatest season in Cary Grove football history as the Trojans finished a perfect 14-0 by defeating East St. Louis 37-36 to inside Husky Stadium in DeKalb to win the Class 6A state championship. East St. Louis was a heralded team. They won the last 6A state title back in 2019 uh, with a lot of the same players from this year's roster, especially on the offensive and defensive lines. And they were still on this team as junior and senior starters, plus several new players who were just as good, if not better. But they were not able to pull out the win this time around. There's so many different places we can start. There are three major highlights that can just we can just describe uh, at least shorthand for now. The onside kick, Sheehan to Riley on 4th and 15, and what I'm calling the final stop. Uh, then there's so many other plays and moments in between those. First and foremost, four straight touchdown drives to begin the game and even keep pace with ESL in the first place. On two of the Flyers' early scores, the Trojans got stops on two-point conversions, which proved to be very significant, seeing that it was a one-point win. And let's see, there's the Wade Abrams fumble recovery uh, close to the sideline that kept that particular possession alive and eventually resulted in a touchdown. The general stats from the game, first of all, senior fullback Nick Hassong, who got injured on the final carry of his career, had 32 rushes for 220 yards. Jamison Sheehan, 19 for 108, and Drew Magel, 6 for 60. On the defensive side of the ball, Colin Desmond, Helped lead the way with 13 tackles. Toby Split had nine tackles. Zap Petco with seven. Ben Hurthaller also added seven. And Wade Abrams had six tackles, including a sack. For the interviews this episode, I had an awesome conversation with Coach Seberg. But first, we talked to four seniors who played instrumental roles in the win and throughout their entire time in the Navy and White. You heard some of their voices in the open or on previous shows. And you will hear from them again right now. They introduce themselves first, and then we get into it. Let's go. Nolan Sharkey. Toby Split. Max Katsenos. Zach Petko. All right, we're live here in what's known as the leadership office here at Cary Grove. And excited to have uh, these gentlemen aboard for the last show of the year. What is actually, this time around, the last show of the year. Uh, I want to lead off with uh, where I thought we were going to be, actually, the alumni building today. And I noticed a few guys before we got on the bus on Saturday. Uh, Nolan and Zach were two of them. And if, if the other guys as well, you'll have to have to correct me. But um, you took some more time before leaving the alumni building Saturday. I wanted to ask about the buildup to the game anyways um, so if you can share a little bit about that first, um, why you took a little bit of those moments um, to yourself. So it was after Coach Seberg's just his pregame speech and before we boarded the buses, and I looked at 
I looked at three things. I looked at the Patton's address speech that we have, and there's one other thing. I forget the name of it, but it's another speech from, I forget the person. And then I went over to look at the 2018 uh, the newspaper clip that we have and the wall that it has. And then I looked up to 57 just because I was number 57. You have Trevor and Colton Ruland up there. And Trevor especially, he's a person I look up to a lot just because we wear the same number. We've worn, I've worn 57 for three years. And just thinking that I want to be up there, I want like, I want to be up there someday. And just looking at how I want to be like him and how I wanted to play like him on Saturday. Um, you know, I was just trying to take it in one last time because that was really the last time that I, I was going to be in there as a player because now, I mean, I'll be back in there, but it's not going to be the same. And you know, I remember going in there as a freshman and, been wide-eyed and seeing all the numbers around the in the ring of honor and now with my name up there it's kind of it's nice to kind of see like how much has changed and before the game so before all the playoff games I put it on myself to read something in the alumni building every single before every single game and uh before the state game before we left I read the uh 2009 right right when they won the state championship and just how that felt and they they were describing in the newspaper and I that really motivated me and it kind of got me in the right mindset before the game and I was ready to go the other parts of the approach leading up to the actual kickoff take me through what last week was like either in terms of confidence level, your reaction to a little bit of the outside noise, um, and, and things like that? I mean, everyone around here knows how good East St. Louis is and how good of their athletes were. And throughout the whole state, not much people gave us a chance, really, to win the game. But as I kept watching film throughout the week, I kept just thinking to myself, like, we're going to win this thing, we're going to win this game. And Throughout the week, I became more and more confident, uh, and up to game game time, I really didn't have a thought that we were going to lose that game. Did you think that you were the underdog? You know, one of the main media stories, and maybe it's a little bit of a lazy narrative, was David versus Goliath. So did you buy into that, or like Toby is talking about, hey, we thought we could win from Jump Street? Personally, I didn't really buy into the whole David versus Goliath. We knew that we were a good team, and we knew from day one that we were going to be a state champion caliber team, and we we believed that we were the best team in the state, and I think what we did on Saturday proved that we were. So I think it was just a battle of two. As um, Bob Baker said, Goliath versus Goliath, I think that's how I would describe the game. Yeah, that was a great line from, from Bob on Sat on uh, Sunday, and that was a good celebration here at the school. I want all four of you guys to take me through um, a notable moment. So I'm sure there's a laundry list, but if you had to pick one, big or small, from Saturday, uh, what would it be? Um, so there was one play that I had specifically. It was the... One of, it was our, I think it was our fourth touchdown that we had. It was we were at the three yard line, and it was it was originally a pass play, but that was when Jamison scrambled into the end zone. And when I was watching the game on Sunday on my TV, and I had to watch it back a couple times, where 
I I was past setting away from JMO and he I heard him yell go and then I turned to my right and I blocked one guy and JMO he came right behind me and I think if I didn't block that guy I don't think JMO would have scored there and I think it would have changed the game a ton. Uh, the most notable moment for me in the game was um, seeing Noah pick off that pass at the end of the game because at that time um, that was the moment where we realized that we had fi- we had finally won and uh, all the hard work that we had put us- ourselves through f- through the last four years uh, to get to this moment had finally happened and getting that secured our win. I think Noah's fourth down um, conversion when he got that pass. I think it was like 17. It was fourth and fourth and fourth and long, but when he got that pass, we've been repping that pass play all year, and we just knew that the man coverage and like with the crossing routes was going to work well. And just seeing Noah catch that in just wide open space was a great moment for me. I think the uh, second two point conversion after they scored the second time when we stuffed them on the goal line there that like you don't think about that that was a deciding point of the game but two points if they would have gone in the end zone that time that would have been they would have won by two points and so something like that that seems insignificant at the time especially early in the game when we're just getting rolling but it's the small moments like that and the small victories that we had during that game that kind of built up and actually contributed to us actually winning the game and I mean we'll when it happened, I don't think that it really, like, I didn't really think that, oh, that could have saved us the game. But looking back, those two stop two-point conversions is what uh, won us the game. Nick Hassan was supposed to be uh, here with us. He wasn't able to, to make it. He had 220 yards on 32 carries, got injured late in the game, uh, got injured actually on his last carry of his career. Uh, before coming out of the game, was actually in for one play after that uh, as a blocker. As a lineman, 220 yards on 32 carries. Did you have a sense of what was happening in real time uh, because he was a horse out there? Yeah, so I didn't know that Nick had that many yards and that he had that many carries, but I did know that we were running the same play for the majority of the game. And we just ended up blocking the same play over and over again. And it kept working. And Nick kept just getting yards after contact and just pushing through. And just like he was, I mean, he's an incredible athlete. Just being able to read the blocks and knock people over and then get some more yards. It was, it was unbelievable. What were some reasons why we ran the same play as many times as we did? Because to have that much success up the middle was a little surprising but they couldn't they weren't even close to stopping it. So, I think we had this much success with the single play that we ran to Nick was that I think it was blocked perfectly between the O-line and all the slots and I think I think Jamo's reads were perfect in that he read it to where every time it was the right read, it would be a it'd be a long run. In terms of the defensive plan, there was the two two-point stops. Um, plus some other important uh, moments along the way. What was the plan of attack? Because they actually had some long drives, but in a way that was a good thing because it ate up time and and they had less chances to get the ball again because then we got it and and had it for a while. 
So take me through some of that plan because, um, you know, it seemed like what worked, you know, was, was in preparation for a long time, um, and, and it worked out well, obviously. So obviously uh, their best athlete was number three, uh, Luther Burden, who's one of the top-ranked receivers in the country. So obviously we did not want him getting the ball. And um, I thought overall he only had what, like six catches maybe. So overall on that part we did good. Uh, the next thing we had to stop was their running back, who is also a very good athlete. And we just had to make sure we all filled the right gaps and get to the ball quickly so he could not produce as much yards as well. So did you try to keep the ball in front of you as much as possible? Because it seemed like we, we didn't rush as many guys. Yeah, that was that was one of our bigger parts of the plan because, I mean, their O-line was pretty big, and um, they had done well all year. So we were just trying to make our reads and trying not to um, just have them get any big plays, and we were just kind of hesitant a little more with our um, – rushes do you think number three should have got it more uh yeah throughout the game I kind of thought that they would try to get the ball to him more because of how effective it was and I even thought they would should uh put him as a running back as well to try to give him the ball quicker we had 32 minutes time of possession which is uh, dominant in, in a game of that uh size um was the clock something you kept a little bit of an eye on throughout the game and, and how important did that end up uh, playing a role? Um, I think the biggest thing that kind of contributed to that huge possession time is that we were running the same play, and we weren't necessarily getting 30 yards of play. We were driving down the field and getting two and three and four yards of play, and then Nick would break one for 20 yards or something like that. But being able to sustain those long drives for a long amount of time really wears down a defense and then it keeps our offense on the field and that was a goal that we had going into the game is that we knew that their offense was really good and so the longer that we could drive down the field and eat up the clock the less time they had a chance to make a big play. So there's a ton of plays that are notable in this game some of which you've already mentioned or your own personal memories from from the win but there's three historic plays in my mind. There's the onside kick, then the fourth and 15, she into Riley, and then the last stop. Okay. Uh, Toby Split is here. Obviously, you've already heard from him. Uh, who called the onside kick? Uh, how did it work? And um, is that the, the biggest game changer if you had to put a price on it looking back? Uh, we were in our huddle to um, go out there for our kickoff, and Coach Seberg, who normally isn't in the huddle, comes over to us, and he tells us we should do the, our onside kick. He tells us to us, to Coach Raffelli, who's in charge of what we do normally, but he just tells us uh, he thinks we can get the ball back, so we all went out there very confident that we could. So uh, when I kicked it, um, we were hoping that um, they would get caught off guard by it and maybe not expect it as much which would leave us a bigger gap to uh, get the ball. And it worked out very well, as you might have been able to tell, because we did get the ball back. And I think um, that was a big game changer, but I think what was even bigger was us being able to go up by 10 points at the half, which put them at a two-possession game 
and we got the ball to start the half. So I feel like that was just a big-time game-changer uh, going up by 10 points just so um, they're put even farther back behind us. Max already mentioned the, the fourth and long to, to Noah. Um, so let's go to the final three minutes and 15 seconds by East St. Louis. Zach, you, you took their quarterback down um, and, and were able to, to get to him on that last play of the game, uh, which led to Noah's interception, uh, which apparently he was only in that one play. I don't know if that's, if that's true, uh, on defense at least. Um, from your side of the glass, what did you see on that last, that last moment? Well, on that last play, uh, we were we only had three guys rushing because we had a formation on defense where we put an extra guy on their receiver, and so the only thing in my mind was that I had to contain the quarterback because he was very elusive and he broke a lot of tackles earlier in the game and was running around the field, and so I was basically bouncing back back and forth from either side of the lineman to try to contain the quarterback, and he made a cut and I dove to grab his foot and I grabbed his foot and as he was falling it just seemed like the ball popped out and from my perspective that was the last thing I saw because then I had two linemen jump on top of me but about 10 seconds later when they got off of me and then I got up I looked up at the scoreboard and I saw the replay of Noah catching the ball and then at that point I knew that it was over and it was kind of almost this moment of shock where it's like is this real this doesn't seem like it happened like there's no way we just won and that moment was just crazy just looking back at the crowd celebrating and coming back to the team and that was a great moment the atmosphere at the stadium and then at the school when we got back to the building was incredible uh, what were some of your memories, either post-game or traveling back to school and seeing this wave of people uh, waiting for you outside? Uh, so my favorite memory was after our final kneel-down play when we're, uh, we kneel it, and then all I remember is I look to our sideline, and everyone on our sideline, I mean, they're jumping, they're celebrating, and I see all – I see everybody in the stands. I've, if I had to estimate how many people there, I'd probably say nine, ten thousand, just on our sidelines. And it, it seemed like the whole, all the stands were filled, and every single one of them was jumping up and down. I mean, at that point, it, that was one of the loudest times during that game, and it was just crazy. One of the cool things that I experienced was seeing all the alumni and previous teammates all like celebrating for us and knowing like I've played with them like the linemen from last year were all there and just like being able to jump up to the uh, stands and give them a high five was pretty cool and just to see all of them and just the like, continued like support from previous alumni and just former teammates as well is was amazing to me yes there was a state championship but what will you remember most about the 2021 team um, the thing I'll remember most about this team is take it back all the way to March of 2020 when we started our off-season workouts, or not our off-season workouts, we started our COVID off-season workouts. And I just remember how much this team specifically, this group of seniors, how much we all stood by each other and how much we all supported everyone to where if one person was kind of like down that they had to they had to wake up at 7 in the morning to go in their garage or their basement or whatever to do their workout on Zoom. 
that everyone everyone supported them and everybody knew that it was the common goal to win the state championship and just throughout the past throughout the past year and a half we've all supported each other and we've all known how good we are as a team and throughout last summer practice I mean we all worked so hard and it's it's so nice to see that it finally paid off with the state championship uh, something I'll always remember is that at the end of the uh, last year, when we were juniors, we were ranked pretty high, and we were actually ranked below East St. Louis at the time. I think we were two, they were one. And um, just knowing that we didn't have the chance to compete for a state championship, I feel like we all took it as our goal or our mission to uh, complete what we started last year, and we knew we had to take the trophy home this year. And just getting that accomplished was just something I'll never forget. One of the big takeaways I had this season was just how, like kind of what Nolan said, with how much everyone supported each other, with how much people improved and stepped up. There were a ton of people that had not like seen the field who started and became state champion caliber players and had a huge impact on this team. And there were just countless guys. Like when we were voting for most improved player at the end of the season, there were just countless guys that I thought of, like, could be this guy, could be this guy. Like everyone stepped up, everyone made plays. And everyone just had a huge impact in the field. And many of these people you probably haven't heard of before. I think that the uh, energy that we've had every single game this year comes from just us all knowing each other all the way back to Banton football almost 10 years ago. And we've all came up together playing the same sport and on the same teams. And everyone always had the same goal in mind. Coming into high school, I saw the 2018 team do it, and I know that everyone always wanted to achieve that goal of winning a state championship. And I think that since I, we were very senior heavy this year, and so everyone, it was just kind of like a continuation of the football that we've all been playing for our whole lives. And everyone knew what we had to do and just accomplishing that goal is just amazing is what we've been waiting for our whole life we close out the show today again the final one for real this time around with coach seberg and 2021 6a state champions so we have a few things for him we're excited to get into it first coach how have the last few days been for you since the win <laughs> they've been great they've been great um, so many people reaching out and, and just saying so many nice things about the team and the program and the game. And, um, you know, it's just been, it's been, um, it's been great. It's been great. The celebration on Saturday and then the, the, um, um, the thing we had on Sunday as well. And, you know, and then just into school, everyone's excited and it's, you know, it just really shows you too what, what, you know, a great game like this does for, for the student body and for the teachers. And, you know, there's just a sense of pride in everybody walking around the school. I think everybody kind of feels, um, feels like, like, like a part of it. And uh, even some of my students who I never ever would think would watch a football game would say, Hey, I saw you on TV or Hey, great game. You know? So it was, it was cool. What did you think of the environment in DeKalb? Cause I thought for a state championship game close to home, it, it proved to be, uh, worth the price of admission. It was a great atmosphere. Yeah, our our game was probably the perfect storm too because I think it was 
probably the game on the weekend that, pe- that the common football fan was going to come and watch. And so you had, and, and we were on the, the west side, so most people that just came to watch the game that had no affiliation with Cary Grove or East St. Louis probably sat on that side. And then you had the 7A game coming after us where there were people coming um, and, and coming in for that game too. And the weather was great. And so you, did, you really had no excuse. If you were within an hour's distance of DeKalb and, and wanted to go at all, there was really no excuse for you not to go. And so uh, it, was, it was loud. It was, it was, especially in the second half, it was, it was packed. But most, most importantly, it, there was just an energy you know, I think it started from our sideline, and you could just feel it, you know, getting that stop before halftime and going into halftime. You know, we were so – I don't know if, if excited was a word, but it, but just like, um, hey, let's carry this over into the second half, you know. Last week you said, hey, we're going to win a game. You said in the alumni building Saturday morning, we're going to win the game. Uh, during the game on Saturday, was there a point – where it was like, hey, let's finish the job and win the game. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then when they scored on their second play, you looked, you kind of thought maybe that was in doubt for a moment there. But then, right when we came down and scored right away, I think that counterpunch, in some ways, reminded me of the Grays Lake Central game where they scored right away, and and you know we it scored pretty easily, and then we came back and scored, and then. Um, uh, stopped them and uh, had kind of had the same, you know, at the beginning of the game kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, definitely there were there was there really wasn't a time in the game where we didn't think we we could win because um, York had just believed in that that you know that, that showed. With reflection now, and I'm not sure if you've watched the the TV broadcast or not, um, or some of the game film. But what plays stand out? Well, the first one that just comes to my mind right now is is them jo- jumping off sides on the extra point. That was the difference in the game. We were lined up to go for one. They jumped off sides. We went for two. We got it. And the difference in the game was one point. Um, you know, everyone's going to remember the the you know the big ones with the uh, the onside kick and the whole inter- the whole punt sequence of events and the fourth down play and um, you know and, and and just so many other ones. Um, and they're all they're all outstanding, um, so I, I mean, I one of the ones I I think about too is Toby's hit. You know, Toby crushed that kid coming out across the middle. Had a, I mean, it was a great it was a great tackle, a great hit. It was clean, it was legal, and Toby hit the kid, walked away, didn't have to say anything to it because his pads did the talking, and uh, I really think that set the tone too. Uh, you know, just, you know, so many, so many plays, so many plays. I want to go through that punt sequence as a way to talk about clock management because we had 32 minutes time of possession, which is dominating the clock. Mm-hmm. So the, the first drive of the second half, it wasn't even two minutes into the third quarter. We line up fourth and seven, like we're going for it. East St. Louis decides to call a timeout. Uh, out of the break, we do end up punting. We pin them deep in their own territory. That's great, but the timeout becomes a big factor on the last drive late in the fourth quarter. 
What was the process like in terms of managing the clock? Was that strategic before we even got there, or uh, was it getting a feel for it during the game? What was that like? It was it was really more of a feel during the game kind of a thing. Um, you know, some teams will strategically milk the clock, and that's fine if you score, and that's fine if you convert. But if you if you get behind a touchdown or two, you you can't do that. And so we were never in a position in that game. Besides later in the game when we went up by uh, 10 or 16 points, I think, or um, that when we scored just before they returned the uh, kickoff, um, we were in a position there. If we had gotten the ball back, we would have definitely been in a situation where we could start milking the clock more. But the way we were executing on offense and the way that we were moving the ball, um, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to take the, the momentum away from our kids and so we were very aggressive, really, on offense. Even though we did have a lot, eat up a lot of the time, we were very aggressive. We were never at a point where we were like, hey, let's milk this thing. Um, we wanted to just attack and attack. And um, I think our, our defense probably did the most um, unnoticed thing in that we made them drive. They, even though we owned the clock, you know, whatever it was, 32 to 16, something like that, double the time, East St. Louis had been scoring at will on teams in the playoffs, in the regular season, and they had so many explosive plays throughout the year that the fact that they had one explosive play on offense, they had the, the kick return and then they had the second play of the game, but besides that, most of their scores, they had to drive the field. They had to eat up the clock, and that was really what we were trying to do. Would have liked to have stopped them a couple more times, but uh, that's how the game went. And uh, I think we executed our game plan on defense uh, uh, pretty pretty well. First four drives of the game, uh, all in the first half, all touchdowns, four for four. Why was the offense so dominant? Because when you go back and look at the, the game, it looks like it's the same play. I think hands down, we owned the line of scrimmage. Our kids played low. We played fast. We blocked to the echo of the whistle. Um, Nick finished runs. Jameson finished runs. Uh, we got key conversions at key times. We had a mix of plays inside, plays off the edge, and then plays out in the perimeter. And uh, we did just enough offensively that uh, that kept them um, kept them kept them on their toes. And so uh, I, I think that was probably the key for us in that first half was just. You know, just watching the game, if you're just watching it and not really aware of what we were trying to do, probably did look like a lot of the same plays over and over again. And quite honestly, it was. But there were a lot of small details that that we, we changed, you know, on those drives that we felt like made a big difference in uh, in us executing the drives. I know you don't want to get too much into hyperbole, or maybe you do. Uh, you're comfortable doing that. But, and out of respect to previous CG teams and previous CG state teams, mm -hmm. but is Nick Hassong's performance the best game, the best single game performance that you've seen by a fullback? It, it would be in a state championship game. I would have to say it's really close with Tyler Pennington's performance in 2014. Tyler, as a sophomore, carried the ball over 30 times, just like Nick. And matter of fact, I was I was talking with somebody about this. Our game against East St. Louis was very similar to our game against Providence. When we played Providence in 2014, 
We had a good score just before halftime. Had a kickoff that we had a penalty on our kickoff, so they had good field position. They went down and kicked a field goal. And in the East St. Louis game, similar situation, but we were able to, to stop them from scoring. And so that really controlled the momentum of, of the game. And, um, and so Tyler's performance in the, in the Providence game was, was r- real close to, to what Nick's performance was, very, very similar. Um, Nick's performance was, was outstanding. There's no doubt about it. But um, it's, hard, it's hard to say which, which one was better because they were both so good. Looking back on it, and again, we could leave it to the outside noise if this, this is the best the best team in the state or the best team in Cary Grove history. In, in my open, I talked about being the best season in Cary Grove history. Looking back on it, what made this team not only so good, that's obvious now, but so different and so special? The number of seniors we had, the, guy, the number of seniors and, and the number of seniors who, who rarely saw time on the field, I think, is unique. We had 30 seniors playing football this year, and uh, there's, there's not enough spots on the field for everybody. And what was unique and different and something that is um, sadly not popular anymore are our kids who stuck it out even though they weren't starters and were just as big a part of the team, were just as important to our, our overall success. And I think that's probably the most unique thing about this team is just the sheer number of kids that we had who liked football, who wanted to be a part of the team, who uh, wanted to practice every night. Uh, I'm sure I – haven't, I haven't done our perfect attendance, but I'm sure – there's a handful of kids who had perfect attendance this year who were JV players and were seniors or, or juniors, you know, just, just guys that love being a part of the team. And it's not that we haven't had that in the past. We've had, we've had great teams like that before, but just the number of kids that we had was rare uh, in the last 10 years. Um, that, was a lot more, that was a lot more common back, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But in today's era, that a lot of times kids – read the writing on the wall when maybe they're a junior or sophomore. Hey, I'm probably not going to be a starter. Uh, but, uh, but our guys, they stuck it out, and I, it, it's a huge part of, of why we, we had the season we had. Thank you so much for tuning in to the season recap episode of the podcast. Certainly a celebratory tone. For this week, as Kerry Grove is your 2021 Class 6A state champion, again, 37-36 to over East St. Louis. Some say it was the best high school football game they've seen, or perhaps even the best live sporting event. Uh, there's a lot of labels we can put on it, but the one that matters most is that the Trojans were state champions. Thanks again for tuning in. If you're listening to this in real time, it has certainly been an exciting few days post-state championship. If you're listening back, uh, not sure when you're listening to this, but uh, thanks for doing so. And what ended up being a special season is now archived forever. So if this is the first time you're listening to the show, you're in a unique position where you can go back and catch up. If you're a longtime listener, you can go and relive the season 
week by week for all 14 weeks. I'm your host, Matt Cozy, and this is the Kerry Grove Football Show.